Section 13, Volume 5 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night. Translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 5, Section 13. When it was the four hundred and fifth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Abd al-Rahman, the Mormon, the Chinaman, was wont to tell wondrous tales, amongst which was the following. He was on a voyage in the China Seas with a company of merchants, when they sighted an island from afar. So they steered for it, and, making fast thereto, saw that it was large and spacious. The ship's crew went ashore to get wood and water, taking with them hatchets and ropes and water-skis, the travellers accompanying them, and presently espied a great dome, white and gleaming, and hundred cubits long. So they made towards it, and drawing near found that it was an egg of the rook, and fell on it with axes and stones and sticks till they uncovered the young bird and found the chick as it were a firm-set hill. So they plucked out one of the wing-feathers, but could not do so save by helping one another, for all the quills were not full grown, after which they took what they could carry of the young bird's flesh, and cutting the quill away from the vein, returned to the ship. Then they set sail, and putting out to sea, voyaged with a fair wind all that night, till the sun rose, and while everything went well, they saw the rook come flying after them, as he were a vast cloud, with a rock in his talons, like a great heap bigger than the ship. As soon as he poised himself in air over the vessel, he let fall the rock upon it, but the craft, having great way on her, out went the rock, which fell into the sea with a loud crash, and a horrible. So Allah decreed their deliverance and saved them from doom, and they cooked the young bird's flesh and ate it. Now there were amongst them old white-bearded men, and when they awoke on the morrow they found that their beards had turned black nor did any who had eaten of the young rook grow gray ever after. Some said the cause of the return of youth to them and the ceasing of hoariness from them was that they had heated the pot with arrow-wood, whilst others would have it that it came of eating the rook chick's flesh. And this is indeed a wonder of wonders. And a story is related of Adi bin Zaid and the princess Hind. Al-Numan bin al-Munzar, king of the Arabs of Iraq, had a daughter named Hind, who went out one Pash, which is a feast day of the Nazarenes, to the white church to take the sacrament. She was eleven years old and was the loveliest woman of her age and time, and it so chanced that on the same day came to Hira a young man called Adi bin Zaid, with presents from the Kosro to al-Nu'aman, and he also went to the white church to communicate. He was tall of stature and fair of favor, with handsome eyes and smooth cheeks, and had with him a company of his people. Now there was with Hind bint al-Nu'aman a slave girl named Mariah, who was enamored of Adi, but had not been able to foregather with him. So when she saw him in the church, she said to Hind, Look at yonder youth. By Allah, he is handsomer than all thou seest. Hind asked, and who is he? And Mariah answered, Adi bin Zaid. Quoth al-Nuamin's daughter, I fear lest he know me, if I draw nearer to look on him. Quoth Mariah, How should he know thee, when he hath never seen thee? So she drew near him, and found him jesting with the youths his companions, 
and indeed he surpassed them all not only in his personal charms but in the excellence of his speech the eloquence of his tongue and the richness of his raiment when the princess saw him she was ravished with him her reason was confounded and her color changed and mariah seeing her inclination to him said to her speak him so she spoke to him and went away now when he looked upon her and heard her speech he was captivated by her and his wit was dazed his heart fluttered and his color changed so that his companions suspected him and he whispered one of them to follow her and find out who she was the young men went after her and returning informed him that she was princess hind daughter of al nuamin so adi left the church knowing not whether he went for excess of love and reciting these two couplets o friends of me one favour more i pray unto the covenants find more your way turn me that so i face the land of hind then go and fairest greetings for me say then he went to his lodging and lay that night restless and without appetite for the food of sleep and shahrazad perceived the taunt of day and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the four hundred and sixth night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that when adi ended his verses he went to his lodging and lay that night restless and without appetite for the food of sleep now on the morrow mariah accosted him and he received her kindly though before he would not incline to her and said to her what is thy will quoth she i have a want of thee and quoth he name it for by allah thou shalt not ask me aught but i will give it thee so she told him that she loved him and her want of him was that he would grant her a lover's privacy and he agreed to do her will on condition that she would serve him with hind and devise some device to bring them together then he took her into a vintner's tavern in one of the by-streets of hira and lay with her after which she returned to hind and asked her dost thou not long to see adi she answered how can this be indeed my longing for him makes me restless and no repose has left me since yesterday quoth mariah i will appoint him to be in such a place where thou canst look on him from the palace quoth hind do what thou wilt and agreed with her upon the place so adi came and the princess looked out upon him and when she saw him she was like to topple down from the palace top and said o mariah except thou bring him into me this night i shall die so saying she fell to the ground in a fainting fit and her serving woman lifted her up and bore her into the palace whilst mariah hastened to al nuamin and discovered the whole matter to him with perfect truth telling him that indeed she was mad for the love of adi and except he marry her to him she must be put to shame and die of love for him which would disgrace her father among the arabs adding at the end there is no cure for this but wedlock the king bowed his head awhile in thought and exclaimed again and again verily we are allah's and unto him we are returning then said he woe to thee how shall the marriage be brought about seeing i mislike to open the matter and she said he is yet more ardently in love and yet more desireful of her than she is of him and i will so order the affair that he shall be unaware of his case being known to thee but do not betray thyself o king then she went to adi and after acquainting him with everything said make a feast and bid the king thereto and when the wine hath gotten the better of him ask of him his daughter for he will not refuse thee quoth adi 
I fear lest this enrage him against me, and be the cause of enmity between us. But quoth she, I came not to thee till I had settled the whole affair with him. Then she returned to Al-Nuwamin, and said to him, Seek of Adid that he entertain thee in his house. Replied the king, There is no harm in that. And after three days besought Adid to give him and his lords the morning meal in his house. He consented, and the king went to him. And when the wine had taken effect on Al-Nuwamin, Adi rose, and sought of him his daughter in wedlock. He consented, and married them, and brought her to him after three days, and they abode at Al-Nuwamin's court in all solace of life and its delight. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the four hundred and seventh night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Adi abode with Hind bint al-Nu'amin bin Munzar, three years in all solace of life and its delight, after which time the king was wroth with Adi and slew him. Hind mourned for him with grievous mourning, and built her an ermitage outside the city, whither she retired and became a religious, weeping and bewailing her husband till she died. And her hermitage is seen to this day in the suburbs of Hira. They also tell a tale of di ibel al kuzai with the lady and muslim bin al walid quoth di ibel al kuza i was sitting one day at the gate of al kark when a damsel came past never saw i a fairer faced or better formed than she walking with a voluptuous swaying gait and ravishing all beholders with her lithe and undulating pace now as my eyes fell on her i was captivated by her and my vitals trembled and meseemed my heart flew forth of my breast. So I stood before her, and I accosted her with this verse. The tears of these eyes find easy release, but sleep flies these eyelids without surcease. Whereon she turned her face, and looking at me straightway, made answer with this distich. A trifle this, and his eyes be sore, when her eyes say yes to his love's caprice. I was astounded at the readiness of her reply and the fluency of her speech, and rejoined with this verse, Say, cloth heart, of my fair inclined to him, whose tears like a swelling stream increase. And she answered me without hesitation thus, If thou crave our love, know that love's alone, and a debt to be paid by us twain apiece. Never entered my ears aught sweeter than her speech, nor ever saw I brighter than her face. So I changed rhyme and rhythm to try her, in my wonder at her words, and repeated this couplet. Will fate with joy of union ever bless our sight, and one desireful one with other one unite? She smiled at this, never saw I fairer than her mouth, nor sweeter than her lips, and answered me without stay or delay in the following distich. Pray tell me what hath fate to do betwixt us twain, Thou art elate, so bless our aim with union and delight. At this I sprang up and fell to kissing her hands, and cried, I had not thought that fortune would vouchsafe me such occasion. Do thou follow me, not of bidding, or against thy will, but of the grace of thee and thy favor to me? Then I went on, and she after me. Now at that time I had no lodging, I deemed fit for the like of her. But Muslim bin al-Walid was my fast friend, and he had a handsome house, so I made for his abode, and knocked at the door, whereupon he came out, and I saluted him, saying, "'Tis for time like this that friends are treasured up, 
and he replied with love and gladness come in you twain so we entered but found money scarce with him however he gave me a kerchief saying carry it to the bazaar and sell it and buy food and what else thou needest i took the handkerchief and hastening to the market sold it and bought what we required of victuals and other matters but when i returned i found that muslim had retired with her to an underground chamber when he heard my step he hurried out and said to me allah requite thee the kindness thou hast done me o abu ali and reward thee in time to come and reckon it of thy good deeds on the day of doom so saying he took from me the food and wine and shut the door in my face his words enraged me and i knew not what to do but he stood behind the door shaking from mirth and when he saw me thus he said to me i conjure thee on my life o abu ali tell who it was composed this couplet i lay in her arms all night leaving him to sleep foul-hearted but clean of staff at this my rage redoubled and i replied who wrote this other couplet one i wish him in belt a thousand horns exceeding in mighty height manaf then i began to abuse him and reproach him with the foulness of his action and his lack of honour and he was silent never uttering a word but when i had finished he smiled and said out on thee o fool thou hast entered my house and sold my kerchief and spent my silver so with whom art thou wroth o pimp then he left me and went away to her whilst i said by allah thou art right to twit me as nincompoop and pander then i left his door and went away in sore concern and i feel its trace in my heart to this very day for i never had my will of her nor indeed ever heard of her more and amongst other tales is that about isaac of mosul and the merchant quoth ishak bin ibrahim al masali it so chanced that one day feeling weary of being on duty at the palace and in attendance upon the caliph i mounted horse and went forth at break of dawn having a mind to ride out in the open country and take my pleasure so i said to my servants if there come a messenger from the caliph or another say that i set out at daybreak upon a pressing business and that ye know not whither i am gone then i fared forth alone and went round about the city till the sun waxed hot when i halted in a great thoroughfare known as al-haram and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the four hundred and eighth night she said it hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Ishak ben Ibrahim the Musali continued, When the sun waxed hot, I halted in a great thoroughfare known as Al-Haram, to take shelter in the shade, and found it in a spacious wing of a house which projected over the street. And I stood there but a little while before there came up a black slave, leading an ass bestridden by a damsel. And under her were housings set with gems and pearls, and upon her were the richest of clothes, richness can go no farther and i saw that she was elegant of make with languorous look and graceful mind i asked one of the passers-by who she was and he said she is a singer so i fell in love with her at first sight hardly could i keep my seat on horseback she entered the house at whose gate i stood and as i was planning a device to gain access to her there came up two men young and comely who asked admission, and the housemaster gave them leave to enter. So they alighted, and I also, and they entered, and I with them, they supposing that the master of the house had invited me. And we sat a while till food was brought, and we ate. 
Then they set wine before us, and the damsel came out with a lute in her hand. She sang, and we drank, till I rose to obey a call of nature. Thereupon the host questioned the two others of me, and they replied that they knew me not, whereupon quoth he, This is a parasite, but he is a pleasant fellow, so treat him courteously. Then I came back and sat down in my place, whilst the damsel sang to a pleasing air these two couplets. Say to the she-gazelle, who's no gazelle, and cold Ariel, who's no Ariel, who lies with male, and yet no female is, whose gait is female, most unlike the male. She sang it right well, and the company drank, and her song pleased them. Then she carolled various pieces to rare measures, and amongst the rest one of mine, which consisted of this distich. Bare hills and campground desolate, and friends who all have gained their gate, how severance after union leaves me and their homes in saddest state. Her singing this time was even better than the first. Then she chanted other rare pieces, old and new amongst them, another of mine with the following two couplets. Say to angry lover who turns away, and shows thee his side whatso thou, thou wroughtest all that by thee was wrought. Alb, twas haply thy sport and play. I prayed her to repeat the song, that I might correct it for her, whereupon one of the two men accosted me, and said, Never saw we a more impudent lick-platter than thou. Art thou not content with a sponging, but thou must eat meddle and muddle? Of very sooth, in thee is the saying made true, Parasite and pushing white. So I hung down my head for shame, and made him no answer, whilst his companion would have withheld him from me, but he would not be restrained. Presently they rose to pray, but I lagged behind a little, and, taking the lute, screwed up the sides and brought it into perfect tune. Then I stood up in my place to pray with the rest, and when we had ended praying, the same man fell again to blaming and reviling me, and persisted in his rudeness, whilst I held my peace. Thereupon the damsel took the lute, and touching it, knew that it had been altered, and said, Who hath touched my lute? Quoth they, None of us have touched it. Quoth she, Nay, by Allah, someone hath touched it, and he is an artist, a past master in the craft, for he hath arranged the strings and tuned them like one who is a perfect performer. Said I, It was I tuned it, and said she, Then Allah upon thee, take it and play on it. So I took it, and playing a piece so difficult and so rare, that it went nigh to deaden the quick and quicken the dead. I sang thereto these couplets. I had a heart, and with it lived my life. T'was seared with fire, and burnt with loving low. I never won the blessing of her love. God would not on his slave such boon bestow. If what I've tasted be the food of love, must taste it all men who love food would know. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section 13. Recording by Matt Pagan.